everybody. I am here today with Dave Humphrey. Dave is the president of Bright Payment Solutions. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great, James. Good to hear from you. Yeah, same here. So Patty and I are going to talk to Dave today about terminal illness. Yes. What a, what a nice plan words there. And really the idea here, of course, we're talking about the advent of the smart terminal and this idea that these older kind of standard terminals are being phased out. Um, but before we dive into that, Dave, I'd love to get your backstory. We're always interested in that on the podcast. How did you end up in this crazy industry? How'd you end up with Bright Payment Solutions? Give us a little bit of your story. Well, um, good question. Uh, I, I was actually introduced to this industry um, through my printing business. Um, I started printing for a client, uh, namely uh, Advanced Merchant Services, okay, okay. Jason Phelps, uh-huh. way back in the late 90s. And um, it, was, it was very intriguing what they were doing. And back then, as you know, the, the, you know, the whole free terminal m- movement starts and in 2000 and right. you know, IP and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I started to follow it and get more familiar with it through the, the documentation and the things that we were printing uh, and producing for, for uh, this company. And uh, as time went by, I got more and more involved in the marketing and design and development. And, and long story short, uh, we continued to do business for a number of years. And then uh, in the recent... Uh, years, probably, I guess, four or five years, um, we looked at where things were going. I think we had a dinner or a meeting or something, and we started talking about technology. And I was actually moving very heavily into developing uh, mobile applications and, and a lot of that type of thing. And and we um, leaned on uh, Jason for some uh, connections to the the gateways and the platforms and all this, and I start putting two and two together, and I thought, gosh, you know, this is probably something I could that do. could evolve into, right? You know, something big one day, and mm-hmm. so we built a couple um, mobile apps that you pay through and things like that, and and before you know it, um, we said it might be a good idea to start sort of a whole new entity that really hits that, that technology piece really hard between the eyes and brings in that also that marketing and, and, and design and that piece real sleek type, you know, sexy UIs and things like that. And, um, and then before you know it, in 2016, uh, Bright was formed. And, and since then, it's, it's been a, a great ride, a lot of work, um, you know, things are moving very fast. It seems like you never right. actually catch up. Just to say you're ahead of it, right. <laughs> I'm not. It's, Everybody's it's very playing hard. catch up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, and so that so that gives you an idea of, of how I sort of sure. moved into this. Uh, the payments industry as a whole is just, it's an amazing industry, um, very challenging. I don't know how you can go to sleep doing this stuff, you know, I mean, it's like always is on <laughs> yeah, you. Always on. Uh, yeah. I mean, and there's always something to do and always something new and always something to learn. And, and, and it's just amazing. So it really keeps you on your toes. Um, and I, I love that. And then when you combine that with technology, as you know, moves so fast. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then when, when you get the whole FinTech piece, the payment piece, uh, the, 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 with an actual processor, and now you're, you're working with, different components and APIs and vendors and all this, you put it into one big thing and it's just like, wow. I mean, it's it's amazing. So I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's start talking a little bit. It's kind of funny because, you know, this is, I think our first podcast episode, Patty, where the interviewee actually suggested the best title. Yes. So that's normal, you know, so. Usually we have to noodle over it right, afterwards, right, yeah. right? So Dave, since you're the one that came up with this terminal illness, why don't we start off by telling us a little bit about why you chose that wording and, and really more specifically, there's there's the shift that's happening now where we're going from standard terminals to smart terminals and POS integrated systems. Tell us about that shift and how you see it impacting ISOs and agents in the industry. Well, um, okay, there's a lot to to answer here, but let me start with the like you said the terminal illness. So here's here's the thing about that term that I think is extremely relative. So so yeah, it's a bit clever, but when you think about it, it you know the definition of ter, ter, terminal illness 
is an end stage disease. Okay, right. so, so it's a disease that cannot be cured right. or adequate, adequately treated. So, and for the most part, the expectation of that disease is death. Right, um, right. That's just the way it works. So, um, the term is more commonly used for progressive diseases. You know, say it's like cancer, cancer, heart I mean, that's w- when we right. hear that, right? right. Sure. So, so then when you think about that, you think about, gosh, you know, does my terminal have cancer? You know, so, right. so it's sort of like, oh, well, in fact, here's here's what's going on. Um, well your terminal's going to be dead soon. And the reason it's going to be dead, it's, it's just not going to have a use in light of what's really happening, what's moving forward. Right. And in some cases, uh, there's, there's end-of-life cases now that's more active, and I'm sure most people know what they are and what's going on. But, you know, the ELO, I'm sorry, EOL um, uh, status of a lot of the, you know, older Ingenico terminals, you know, that's taken place. You can go to their site and there's updates. Um, it's very, in my opinion, I think it's very risky for a terminal manufacturer or a company, say, as I don't know, Deja Vu or Pax or whoever, to just come out and sort of make a, boldly make a statement and announcement. I think that what they have to do, honestly, is, it's really, you know, slowly move this stuff out and it evolves because mm-hmm. it would be a shocker. I mean, sure. gee whiz, it's like, for example, cash discount. Well, I mean, the go-to terminal has been what? The Z series, you know, right. Z11, mm-hmm. Z8, right. you know, just thousands and thousands of these things. For them to announce something like that, ooh, that'd be rough. But the fact of the matter is, is those types of terminals, there's no way possible that they'll be able to do the types of things that an Android terminal can do for a merchant. Sure. Right. I mean, yep. it's just impossible. Right. So therefore, it's reasonable to think, and and I, not only reasonable, I think I think it's it's factual, you know. Also, that in the next um, couple of years, we're going to see a very radical shakeup and a disruption, where. You know, for the past two years, we've been hustling, and I know our team has we've been hustling to put out these terminals right and left, right, just right. selling mm-hmm. you know, cases and cases of of this, 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 and this. And all of a sudden, you know, now there's no uh, support for this particular terminal, right? right? Right. So there's no way you can update it. Right. So all of a sudden, you've got this, you know, and then you've got 5G coming along too. Right. So 5G is right on the horizon. In fact, it's active in some of the larger cities. And you, and then when you take all these variables, it's easy, very easy to conclude that your merchant may have terminal illness. <laughs> and if mm-hmm. they do, here's the question. Are you going to, are you going to, resuscitate them and bring them back to life, you know, <laughs> or is your competition. Right. So if somebody comes along and says, hey, yeah, I, I know you got this terminal free. Um, I get it. Well, but you can have this one free and it does this and this and this. And, you know, it gives you all these analytics right here on the terminal. And they, they look at that one and they look at this one. And, Wait, it's the same exact price. Everything's the same. Right. What am I, so, so the race to the zero, I mean, I know you've heard that term. You've oh, had to have that term mentioned on your podcast. <laughs> like a about times, every right? month, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> race to zero. So now, so now where, where it was a race to zero on this pricing and all this kind of stuff, now there's, there's something else you know, going on here, James. It's like now it's almost a race to the merchant to provide them a better opportunity and more value for the same price or maybe a little bit more, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think what it's a case of is once the merchant now now remember, the EMV sales pitch was something that was sort of similar along these lines. If your terminal's not EMV compatible, you will be you know, they right, right, I mean right. you probably saw dialer scripts uh, coming out of your ears. Sure. And I created some. So, I was going to say that. Yeah, I, right. I did too. <laughs> right. So, so now what we have is, yeah, well, these are EMV compatible, but here's the thing. They also do this for you and they, they handle your loyalty points and you can just, you right. know, uh, pull this up right on your terminal and you see this transaction or you see this batch and you, you know, you can do your void right here and all. And it's just there's so many things 
that these applications, and I mean, you know there's a lot out there. I mean, if you go to any conference, ETA or NEAA, SEAA, right. you're seeing just new app after new app after new app mm-hmm. in the in the PAX marketplace. I mean, we were just at PAXCon last week, and I didn't know this, but this is an interesting stat. In the PAX marketplace, there are more apps in the PAX marketplace than all of the marketplace app stores combined right now, according to PAX. That includes Clover, by the way. Right. That's how many apps are coming out. So you've, you've got to you know, just be reasonable here and thinking, okay, if there's this many um, developers, this many ISV, this many apps out there, obviously they're going to have somewhere to land. Somebody's going to be using these. It can be payroll apps, time clock. So now you've got all these little bells and whistles that makes a merchant's life easier. Right. So why are they just going to sit there and sort of, you know, let their terminal almost bring them down, if you will? You know what I mean? It it doesn't make any sense to me. So terminal illness, in in the sense of um, the evolution of technology, in my opinion, is is a very relative term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, one of the things I want to touch on here is, you know, is the merchant because it sounds like what you're saying is that. We're reaching this point where it's terminal illness, meaning you know, eventually you know, we're 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 trending towards the death of these of these kind of standard terminals. Where do you think the merchants are at right now? Meaning, you know, when you look at the merchants and the mindset, I mean, clearly there are still hundreds of thousands of merchants that have you know the VX five twenty, the Ingenicos, the you know. So, are these merchants? In your opinion, is it like these merchants are they would switch if they knew what they could get out of it? Are they like? What is the impact on the merchant? Are they ready to make the switch? They just don't know what's out there yet, or what's what's keeping them from doing that? And also, just to sort of throw in, like you know, what about the agents and the ISOs? How ready are they to be able? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about that one next because that's yeah, a big point. Yeah, because that seems to be yeah. a, you know sort yeah. of an add-on there, right? Yeah. So, what do you think, Dave? What's what are your thoughts on the merchants and their mindset right now? Well, I think the merchants actually are just fine the way they are. Right. Um, and that that almost sounds contradictory to what I just. Um, but it's what they're aware of, earlier. right? Is that what you're saying? Bingo. Yeah. So, so I think what we have is is we have a situation where the merchants sort of like, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Of course. Which, by sure. the way, I'm not opposed to that. However, however, the real the real question is is if when you when you move to for for example, they're using this for a transaction. Right. Okay, so they're not using a, a VX five twenty to to scan their inventory. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. The, Process right. payroll not or happening. whatever. Okay. Right. So so here's the thing. Um you know, I remember the Motorola Razor. That's like right. one of my sure. favorite. Sure, I remember that. I mean, one. I thought mm-hmm. I was you know, that was Back that was then, so cool. Somebody, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Wasn't it? You flipped it open, you know, you're like Captain Kirk or whatever. Right. So <laughs> it was it was really great. But here's the thing. Then Motorola came out with this phone called the Incredible. It's got this touch screen on it, you know, and then iPhone comes out. Mm-hmm. iPhone. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, you know. And then I'm thinking, well, these guys, well, this, I mean, certainly this is never going to replace, like, all of these great Razor flip phones and all. It's It's just... Right. Well, yeah. guess what? Within a half a year, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. Why? Because now I'm pressing, I'm, I'm, I'm touching a screen, and I'm pulling this. But then all of a sudden, now I can do this, and then I can do that, and I can pull down this app that mm-hmm. allows me to view my bank account, and then I could do, no, I could do that. Listen on my to radar, my music okay? and everything else. Yeah. yeah right, sure. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden, it holds more data, and now because of my data plan, I can watch. Uh, videos, and then now when I'm on the plane, and and I couldn't do that with a razor. Well, here's the thing. It didn't take me long to figure out that it's not that my razor was bad or like it didn't do a good job. It's just that, quite frankly, I could get I'm paying the same amount of phone for every month for the phone bill. Right, right. I'm like, and I can now I can invest like 300 bucks in this phone one time. And I'm getting so much more value. I mean, it brings more value to my life, meaning mm-hmm. I can connect with people better. I mean, frankly, look at our lives now, it, like the advent of smartphones. I mean, can you actually imagine functioning? I mean, in the 80s, you know, when I started my first business, I had a beeper. 
Right, right. right. And even then, I was like, gosh, I can't imagine if people couldn't get a hold of me with my beeper. That would be rough, you know? (laughs) And now I'm thinking, geez, if my kid couldn't FaceTime me in 30 seconds, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And, And I think that that mindset, James, that whole mindset that we experienced um, as consumers and some of us as business owners back then, I think that's going to move over to processing like full blown. Yeah. Boom. It's just going to be like a cloud and it's going to park there (laughs) and and it's going to, and merchants are going to begin to get educated more and more and more. And there's a couple of reasons why, in my opinion, is everybody in this society Again, most of it, by the way, is because of the media and social media and this thing. And when I say everybody, probably 99.9% of the people, you know, you know, the common denominator, merchant, consumer, all of them is they just want to know stuff. Right. I'm not kidding. I know it sounds silly, but they just want to know. They want to be in the know. Right. right. Sure. And the what, what these terminals, these terminals do, James, is they put them in the know. Right. Like they can know more about their merchant account. What's going on? What transact? I mean, and their it, it's customers. like at their fingertips. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just so then you, when you start to attach the loyalty pieces in there, all of a sudden they can see, wow, this is my best customer. They can't do that on VX520. Right. So do you, you know how they get that data? Yeah. I mean, is this going to be then as rapid? Do you think, Dave, as it was with cell phones? Because let's be. I mean, that was pretty darn rapid. I mean, I remember my first cell phone was a large clunker. Right. I practically needed a backpack to carry it around. Um, and yeah, that was so, only in the 90s. So, yeah. yeah. I think I think the answer to that question actually is related to what you started to mention before when you brought in the ISO mm. and the agent. Okay. I think that's, it's contingent upon that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because be the question now, the question, and not to get ahead of you, James, not to get ahead of you. No, guys, go for it. I think the question is answered, quite frankly, with... How fast does an ISO and an agent want to either take their existing accounts, get them on these platforms, and make sure they secure that? So for for attrition's sake, mm-hmm. and to, to 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 hold together the integrity of their portfolio, I think they're going to move on this very very fast. Then there's the other side, and I know you guys know where I'm going with this. The other side is is the competition. Right. So the competition that says, "Hey, I can jump all over this," you know. I could go and I could find every terminal. And this, I mean, this, this this is going to be the new lead stuff. Mark my words. The new lead is going to be like the ice, the agent goes in, he sees a fill in the blank, VX520, FD130, the um, Z series, whatever it is for deja vu. He looks at it and goes, oh, hey, how you doing, Mr. Mr. Merchant, blah, 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 blah. And they start a conversation, a very casual conversation about the fact that they may have terminal illness, right? Mm. And they just start that. And then, and, I mean, it's such an easy conversation starter because what it does is it has to do with something that, quite frankly, is, is, a, is a bit of a neutral topic outside of payment processing initially. And then they can migrate that topic, topic into you know, a question or a sales mm-hmm. proposition. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're going to see. In, in certain sales groups and certain ISOs that are more in tune or maybe they have an ISV under the, under the roof or something like that, I think we're going to see them just break loose. Now, the other part to that question is this. You know, is there equipment, is there technology that could meet that perceived de- demand? And, I'm, and the answer is yes. I mean, companies like PAX, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I was just at the PAX conference. They are really getting aggressive yeah it's it's so so clover's not the only player out there anymore no. for i mean clover's no. great by the way right I mean, they're they're great and you look at you look at but, point that just did a huge uh mm-hmm. rate uh, you know huge capital raise i mean there's a lot of companies out there that are have their eye on this market for sure oh yeah yeah well the thing about pax though is what's what's so different about them is the the variety i mean they have you know they started an a60 
which doesn't have an onboard printer, but then can go onto a dock that has a printer, right? So it's a pay at the table, mm-hmm. order at the table kind of thing, which is a whole other topic, by the way. And then then you then you go from there to the A80, which you can attach the uh, pin pad to. Then you go to the A920, which is a wireless piece. You know, then you go to the E500, the E600, the E700, the E800, and you look down their line and you just go from the bottom up and you're like, they're covering every base. Now, yeah. Genico has some great, a great selection also. So you, you look at these suppliers and, and you go to the different vendors. You go to, you know, you, you look at the inventory list now for TPG or CDE or who, whoever, and you're going, wow, you know, this is really, this is really happening. Sure. And, so it, it's it's uh, it's an amazing movement that's taken place, and for the for the uh, ISOs and agents that are placing. And by the way, I'm not knocking placing a uh, um, you know $100 PAX terminal now. Right. Um, but just or, be or aware like of what's because, happening. Yeah, yeah I, I have nothing. I mean, I'm definitely not knocking that. You know, so you, so you get a. Uh, a Deja Vu Z8, right? You, you drop it in, you have a free terminal program, great, you know. Um, but the matter of a fact is, is I'm wondering, and what, I, and the strategy that we have is in the next, I don't know, nine to 14 months, is it going to be open season? You know, are, are we right. going to be vulnerable? So if I look at right. the inventory out there and I say, you know, I have, I don't know, let's say I have 11,800 uh, Z11s out there, or whatever. And I'm thinking, gosh, am I going to start to see these just getting picked off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right, right. all of a sudden they replace this, 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 and then I'm going, ooh, you know. And that's something that that here at Bright that we're concerned about. Yeah. Um, I think, know, every, I think everybody is because it's, a, you know, yeah. to me, I don't know about you, Dave, but it's like I'm looking at the numbers from consulting clients, and I mean the attrition – numbers, I mean, it's not like it's a mystery anymore. You know, a merchant that has a smart terminal has a massively less, you know, it's massively less likely that they're going to cancel this year than somebody with a standard terminal. I mean, the numbers are out. It's no secret. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, James, you've heard conversations about um, merchants that move and then they have to move their loyalty program. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Nightmare. They don't want to do that. Nightmare. I mean, you want to... You want to? I mean, people talk about cash discount getting some customers upset. Let me tell you what gets customers upset: losing their loyalty. They have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then they can't use them right. because they can't find them. Uh huh. Oh my gosh, yeah. that I have seen that. I've I, had that and happen. It is not pretty. Yeah, yeah. I, it is not. Well, Dave, let's so let's so, do this. I, I really want with the time we have left. I really want to get practical here, and I want to dig into some some details. So. You know, one of the things that really impressed me about your organization and one reason I really wanted to get you on the podcast today is that I like what you're doing with this transition, specifically, you know, the way that you're trying to empower the agents and the and the sub ISOs that you have to sell these new solutions because as we pointed out, you know, a big part of this, you know, change in this, you know, evolution is dependent on ISOs and agents really getting out there and selling it. So can you give just a little bit of a flavor of what is Bright Payment Solutions doing? How are you executing on this prediction that you have to take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, again, that it's a great question and, and that's a multi-faceted answer that's going to be coming your way on this one because um, my um, philosophy period is is all about service it's you know high standard service you know sure and with that philosophy the the theory that we have here is is you create an opportunity um, to present be educated and be at the top of your game and there's there's nobody that should say no to you and so what we do is with every application that we develop um, we have documentation that accompanies that. Um, what we have seen as, as a shortcoming in this industry for many years is there's a lot of new programs, there's a lot of new stuff, a lot of new software. Um, I get emails, I'm sure you guys, I mean, I get emails every day. You know, it's so-and-so pay-at-the-table program, so-and-so loyalty program, so-and-so. Right. Well, here's the thing. Everybody's got these great programs, and but not everybody has every piece to really make that work successfully. Mm-hmm. 
And here's the matter of a fact. This is a very new um, thing for everybody, James. It's new for the merchant. It's new for the ISO, new for the agent. Right. It's new for everybody across the board. To expect everybody to just gravitate this because it's new and then just, quote, start selling it, it's not reasonable mm-hmm. because education and, and support is a vital part of success here. Yeah. Um, you you want to you see a, a bunch of uh, accounts go south, born all this, quote, great new technology, and don't back it up with proper installs, training calls, welcome calls, support documentation. They're gonna, the merchant's going to get frustrated and go, look, I don't need this. Okay? Mm-hmm. What I was doing before worked. This is not working. It is a pain in my neck. Take it back. And once, they, once you establish that, like that wall is built, that pain point, good luck trying to get them back on, right? It's right. really tough. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the key is, is to have you know, full-blown training all the way through. Now, what we do is not only do we have a, a, a process for our demos and things like that, like how to use our software, but we have a process on how it's boarded and delivered and followed up and supported. And, you know, every single app that we have, like, for example, on our Take Charge app, our Take Charge app has a full-blown, I think it's a 44, 48-page full-color um, software guide that comes along with it. So it deploys with every single terminal that goes out. Right. So that's also available in a PDF form. And then each module in our, in our um, application is available on a on a video on 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 a training portal where you can see each. So if you want to see how the tax field works, if you want to see how this works, you want to see how that works, everything's done. That is extremely key. Then we go to the marketing and sales side. So on the marketing sales side, what we do is we develop and we have an actual studio in here with the videographer, web guy, you know the whole the mm-hmm. whole bit. And what they do is they actually go out to cafes and places like that. They do remote shoots. Um, they do training videos. They do how to sell it video. I mean, the whole thing. Um, and again, our theory here is, is for this to really work right and work smooth, everybody involved, they got to be on the same page. You just cannot say this is new great technology it's going to do this for you mr merchant it's going to do this for you mrs merchant you'll love it it's great and then you drop it in their lap you walk away this is not a vx520 deal okay it's not like that right um they have to it's a so it's an android app so yet now you have to open up an app right you open up the app right if the if you're using time clock so on our application you know we have time clock if the employee wants to clock in or has to clock in to use it, then that's so now we have to train on that. So, for example, if it's a, a QSR and they have tables, um, tip at the time of sale application, whatever, and let's say they got I don't know, three or four waitresses running around, and when they log in with that device, with our application, it tracks everything. So on that terminal, every purchase, what that server did, it's there. Their time, their time in, their time out. The table they serve, the whole whole thing, it's all there. Well, you just don't drop that in the lap, lap of a merchant. I mean, there has to be right. training, mm-hmm. you know, all the way around. So, and keep in mind, some people may be listening and say, well, that's nothing new. Well, actually, for a lot of merchants that are using the terminals, the, the terminals that we're talking about that are going to be going out, that is new. Right. That actually is new. Right. Okay, right. so that's that's the whole point. Because if you take the idea of just, I, I and I'm not, I guess, in tune enough of this to have accurate numbers, but let's just take you take a quarter million terminals out there, right? And let's say those quarter million terminals are going to look different in less than two years, all right? And that's probably a, a fairly safe assumption. Oh, sure. well, yeah, well, conservative, I would say. Yeah. It, well, right. So it's it. But here's the thing: it's not the quarter million terminals you got to worry about. It's a quarter million merchants you got to worry about. Right. Because what has to happen is is whatever comes along with that terminal has to be in place, solid. They have to get it. They have to buy into the value. They have to be committed to learn whatever. And it's not that complicated, by the way. And then they have to stick with it. But here's the thing. I think most merchants will not only buy into it, but I do think they'll stick with it. 
because they'll understand that this is where everything is going. And for our app example, and not just ours, but tons of other apps. So we're not exclusive to this. I mean, as you know, there's a lot of great apps that I could list probably for the next you know hour of, of right. what's out there. Right. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is you can go on your phone, you can monitor your sales, you can check everything. You got forecasting tools, analytics, you know, at lunchtime, the, the burrito grande sold, you know, from 12 o'clock to one o'clock better than anything else, that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have all these tools that are just fantastic. And I think once the merchant really taps into that and sees that actually this is not that hard, it's, you just got to give it a little attention. And, but it gives them more control. Um, now, when you talk at the pay at table features, for example, you know, a lot of fraud, not to get off subject here, a lot of fraud in restaurants has to do with, you know, there's articles all over news stores where, you know, the server's taking pictures of people's credit card, right? And, and now there's certain states that I hear in particular New York that, that are trying to introduce legislation because they don't allow that in Canada, by the way. Right. right. So so now you've got apps that are like really, you know, doing well to, to accommodate that movement. And there's so many things. I just cannot imagine a merchant not wanting to at least listen to this, James. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? It's Absolutely. Like, I it's like it's like moving it. parts is what you're talking about, really. You know, it's yeah. like there's just so many moving parts that you can't. It, it's it's at the point where it's at a tipping point, you mm-hmm. know. Well, and, and so Dave, let's one thing I, I really want to make sure we have time to cover about this because it's such an interesting kind of shift, but it's really the same thing, and that's cash discounting. Because what's so interesting to me about this trend is that when cash discounting and surcharging and all that came out. My thought was, wow, this is going to accelerate the move towards smart terminals mm-hmm. because we're now freeing up all this cash flow for the merchant. So the pitch is going to be, I'm saving you $500 or $1,000 a month on your payment processing. So you're certainly going to want to buy this smart terminal. But it's actually been the opposite. What's happened is that the focus has been on the cash discount as a model. And then, as you mentioned, the Z11s and others have been kind of the go-to terminals for that. And it's almost exce- it's almost stopped, the, you know, or slowed the acceleration as far as a lot of the ISOs and agents that are listening to this podcast. Tell us about Bright Payments and how you have positioned yourself as far as cash discounting and specifically, you know, to continue this trend of solving and you know, curing this terminal illness, but also at the same time being able to offer the cash discount. Yeah, well, what, when we built our first system, James, it was built around um, the needs uh, in the cash discount side. Uh, and so one of the needs that we found, and this is going to sound um, silly, but it's, it's true. Anybody that's really wrote a lot of cash discount deals, they've encountered things that are just some little irritants. And one of the irritants is, is disclosure. Um, here's the thing. Anybody can send a sign. But the fact matters not all the merchants display the sign. So follow up to mm-hmm. make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do so you don't have, you know, can of worms opened up. Yep. And you're, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a real mess. So our terminals on the customer-facing side, they actually have a cash discount disclosure built in, all right? So when you walk up, mm-hmm. up to our terminals, there's yep. your disclosure. It's right nice. there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, that's a big deal, it actually. It never moves. Yeah. 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 All right, so that that's the first thing. Second thing is, is what our application does is it shows both the cash price and the credit price on the customer facing piece also when they're going through the transaction so it's right there right um it keeps a cash record it keeps a a credit record it it's 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 all legit so it's compliant there's no issues um uh you don't need a special i don't know certification or qualification or it's just it's working i mean it's there and everything's the way it's supposed to be um, all the prices are displayed, right? So the thing is with, with our technology is with the take charge uh, POS that we have, um, that was actually built to accommodate some of the, um, I guess, pet peeves for merchants or, or, or little bugs that were in the program for the electronic side. Mm-hmm. And we solved those problems with our system. So now what happens is, is, is yes, we can sell cash discount, but... We, we sell it on the, the back of a very solid um, application 
that for the record, um, you know, we have a mobile application also that has an inline disclosure um, that does very well. EMV compatible. I mean, it's a great application. You mean like a you mean like um, a mobile swiper, or you mean like a mobile unit? Yes, mobile unit. So we can so cash so take charge anywhere can be downloaded on an iPhone or Android device. Okay. And you can run take charge anywhere with an EMV uh, reader or a swiper. And so if you want, um, you know, the, to capitalize on the opportunity of taking EMV cards on a mobile device. Uh, we have that cash discount solution hmm. also. We've had that for quite some time. It's it's a great platform. It that's actually really well. that's really neat. I, I've actually felt like that was kind of an underserved um, mm-hmm. market because I feel like a lot of your flea market and, and kind of smaller merchants and even some of the plumbers, electricians, that it seems to me like those are businesses that would be more likely to want to do the cash discount than a normal retail store or restaurant where maybe there's a little bit more resistance in those cases. Um, but they're really, I, I actually mm-hmm. haven't been aware of very many good solutions that for them. So that's, that's actually really interesting. Yeah. It, it, I mean, we have a, a lot of merchants on that program and, and they love it. Um, it's very inexpensive. I mean, really inexpensive. It's probably the most inexpensive way to run an EMV cash discount, fully compliant transactions that I'm aware of. Sure. I don't know of any way you can get in the $100 range for the hardware and the whole, out the door. I mean, that's just amazing. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the, so then going back to your question is, is, um, you know, Hey, sort of cash discount disrupted things took over. Well, yeah, I, I get it. But at the same time, you know, the technology is still there. It's evolving. Right. The thing about cash discount is there's not, to be honest with you, there's not really an evolution. I mean, it is what it is, right? It's right. just people are are adopting. So, right. so you've got agents. I mean, I know some agents that two years ago, I'll never do this. This is going right. to be bad. This is not going to work. They're, they're working with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're they're doing great. Yeah, they got a huge portfolio. They love it. Yeah. So, so that really, to me, hasn't been an issue. And then and then all the friction and I'm going to lose all my customer stories and all that. I'm sorry. I'm not hearing those stories. No, nope. we don't hear those stories, and I'm not kidding. I just don't hear it. I know. I'm every you. now and then we'll get a call. It's not happening. <laughs> it's I, just not happening. And I love it that so, we. I love that we have you on here today, Dave, because Patty will will testify here that I say this all the time because I work with all these consulting clients. But I'm kind of viewed as a little bit of a biased party because I'm a big fan of cash discounting. Right. But uh, you know, here is another president of a very you know well established large processing company that is saying we're not hearing the customer complaint stories, and so right. you know again there's a little bit of it here and there, but I mean, usually those are the, the merchants not you know having the proper notification and things like that. And there's, of course, going to be those edge cases, merchant types that are not a good fit. But I think by and large, Dave, it sounds like what you're saying is that the whole fear of I'm going to lose all my customers are not going to shop here anymore. I mean, that just hasn't been validated. Well, the other thing, too, is we have, you know, with our application, um, we have the opportunity if the merchant would prefer it and if the agent wants to sell this that they can double the loyalty points for a credit transaction oh, versus a cash transaction. Oh, that's okay, cool. so huh. so you can say, hey, look, you know, if yeah. you we get it. So, we'll but here's the matter of fact, because the, yeah. the take charge, keep you know, our brand, by the way, I, I'm sorry, I, I should have said this earlier. Our brand is built on this principle. Take charge of your processing. That's it. Okay, it's your choice. Right. So you can do what you want. Right. So if you want to pay the fee, pay the fee. If you don't want to pay the fee, you don't have to pay the fee. That's it. I mean, we all we're doing is we're presenting this opportunity to you. You make the choice. Here's the tools you have. Here's how it works. And that's a pitch. I mean, that's just how it works. So with that said, we have an opportunity for them to say, hey, with our system, here's what you can do. The other thing is, is we have a, a, a derivative of our program called Share the Load, and that's been very popular. And how share the load works is, is the agent goes in there and the merchant's like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this. Well, don't you think it's – what about this, Mr. Merchant? Do you think it's fair if maybe you shared the load or, or, the, or the consumer would share the load with you and maybe you split it in half? So now they're paying 175 and you're paying 175 So with our platform, like on the statement, if that happens, so you disclose you're going to be charged 175 the consumer's paying one seven five, so now you got a lot less friction, right? Mm-hmm. The same amount of you're clearing the same amount of money, and then on the statement, it details on our statement, anyways, that 
the consumers paid 175 here's your amount that you paid here's the total boom i mean everything's clean as a whistle i mean it's very um that that's probably the biggest i would say out of everything people have bragged about on our program is the statement our statement yeah. is so Clean. Well, that's a, no the, the reason everybody you know. is bragging about it is because hardly anybody is doing anything with the statement. It's like a it's like an interchange plus statement with daily discount, and that's what everybody's using for cash discount. Mm-hmm. Where you guys have actually created a statement designed for cash discounting, right? Yeah, exactly. And and just for the record, our our technology, um, which by the way is is you know it's copy it's actual piece of software. Okay, so it's copyrighted and the whole right. whole thing. Sure. Um, our technology, uh, our cash discount is done at the transaction level. Okay, it's not a bat. It doesn't happen at the batch. Right. So when that transaction goes through, it's done on the transaction level. So when we show that on the statement, it's reflecting everything from start to finish, and it's extremely clean. And I'll tell you, some of the bigger restaurants and groups and the the people that are really funny about how things look and their bookkeepers don't like things not reconciling and all this kind of stuff. Now for the little mom and pops, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think they care that much, but, but there's some merchants that they won't have that. And this is just a perfect fit. So again, what we've done is, is we brought that technology piece into this and, and they just piggyback on each other. And we have some agents that, Quite frankly, they don't care that much about the technology piece. If things sell it, things sell it. They don't really care. Right. But, but there's some that they they hit that technology. They hit that angle of, hey, look, you know, here's the deal. Uh, this is a great terminal. You know, it it was given to you free and all this kind of stuff. But here's the thing: if I can give you a cash discount program that does this and this and this, and we match this price, you know, are you okay with that? And what we're finding is most merchants are saying, "Yeah, I'm okay with that. That'll be great." Let me let me so, ask you. And again, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, I was just I was in, I was interested in the in the share the load program. That's that's the first I've heard of something like that, and and I, I think it's unique uh, or fairly unique. You know, I'm just interested in wonder. I'm just wondering, is that? Uh, very popular is it is it an also ran yeah so are there are a large percentage of your cash discount merchants doing a share of the load or or not no no not a large percentage now we okay. just developed this i think it was the programming was complete on that i believe the end of the summer okay going into the fall so you have a little bit of experience. Um, we've had yeah we've got some traction with it we do have a lot of merchants on it okay I don't have an exact number for you, but we do have a lot. I would not say it's the majority by the, by any means. Sure. Is it is, is it any particular what, verti- types of verticals that are more inclined to do that? Well, not. It's not necessarily a vertical. Okay. To be honest with you, the reason we decided to do this was because of the hesitation and friction in the sales process. Okay. Yeah. We just felt like that this was a Give really good option. way to close right. deals. Yeah. Sure. Well, I was going to say, um, I, and I, I was going to say, let me stop you for one second, just, just to clarify, when you say the hesitation in the sales process, the hesitation in selling the merchant. Right. Right. Because, Correct. I'm right. Sorry, like, yeah. Right. Because, and the reason I say that that's important is, and I'm, I'm familiar, there are a few others that have done something like this. And when I see the sales process, the reason you need this is because, the merchant doesn't realize that the consumer is not going to be generally less upset to pay one seven five as they are three nine five or right. three five or mm-hmm. three two five or whatever. Um, but it does make the merchant feel better about it. So some merchants that don't want to roll it out, bingo, right? They will roll it out because yep. they they want to be able to justify it to their consumer when sure. their consumer complains. They're like, well, look, I'm splitting it with you fifty fifty. You know, right, like, right. right? Is that right, Dave? They just want to kind of be able to to kind of have some that's air cover. A, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. That you hit the yeah. nail on the head. Yeah. And and what we found is. Is we and this this is what the weird thing is. So we we've had several cases where where merchant says, you know, I'm just not comfortable charging that. Right. And mm-hmm. we say, well, actually, you're not charging that. We're charging that. <laughs> you're right, just passing right. this on. Right. Yeah, but I'm not comfortable. Okay. Well, we're you know, I can't. I'm sorry, but I cannot charge your customer a flat one nine nine to make this work. That's not going to happen. Okay. So. Yeah, but I just so what we determined was is is this is 
pretty much just a sticking point with some of these merchants. I mean, not just some. We found it was a lot of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and like you said, honestly, if, if it's 2% or if it's 3.75%, we haven't seen a big difference. We ha- right. But if the merchant says, you know what, this is what I'd like to do. This is my choice. And that's the thing about us. You know, our program – we give people the opportunity to choose. Now, right. some of our sales reps, they don't even present this as an option, just for the record. Because right. they're mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to give them that. Of course. You know, here's what it is. I'm going to keep right. it simple. Of and that's fine. That's their sure. choice. You know, we, we, sure. give our, we give our our agents the autonomy to do things like that. But the fact is, is we have brought several um, great uh, retail locations on through this, and it's worked out very well. And it closes a deal. Um, you're making good money. The merchant's happy. There's, to my knowledge, we have had no complaints on that side on that program, not that right. I know of. Right. And right. it's done very well. So it, to me, it's just a win-win. So why not do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave, I think uh, I think we could go on talking about this stuff for another couple of hours, but we better not well, do well, that. It's kind so, of running uh, out of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so Dave, let's let me do this. So before we let you go, uh, obviously a lot of our listeners, we have individual agents, we have ISOs that are listening in. Um, they're going to want to learn more about Bright Payment Solutions, about your Take Charge program. Where would you send them to learn more? Well, you can go to our um, brightps.com, which is B-R-Y-T-E-P-S.com. You can find us there. Um, and then our Take Charge brand can be found under TakeChargeUSA.com, and you can learn all about Take Charge. Uh, you know how we how we roll it out, how we deliver it. Um, awesome. You know, in 2020, we got a lot of new things coming up, um, a lot of new relationships, new technology. I'm, like I'm sure most people do. I mean, the NEAA this year is just going to be. I think it's going to be great. I'm yeah. really excited to I'll see, see you there, all I'm sure. the new stuff. You know. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. Just tons of great information. Really appreciate it. I know our listeners are enjoying it. Yeah, and have a great 2020, Dave. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For the past 36 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading the Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at greensheet.com. Okay, so uh, today I want to talk about Cabbage, and that's with a K. Um, it's an online lender that's been building a name for itself with small business financing, and now it's eyeing payment processing, which, of course, sometimes things seems like almost everybody is, right? Yeah. Um, but the company has a new offering called Cabbage Payments that's geared towards small businesses that issue and collect on invoices. It says the new service makes getting paid, quote, as simple as sending a text message. Hmm. Now, Cabbage claims that about two-thirds of its 200,000 business loan customers depend on invoicing to collect payments. And, you know, these are primarily business-to-business transactions. Um, and in these cases, as you know, people like us who run businesses know, the payment cycle can last up to 90 days. Right. I've, I've had some last even longer. Um, obviously, that creates a real drag on cash flow. So Cabbage Payments uh, takes aim at this, um, you know, uh, because it promises to slash the payment cycle to just a day, which to me seems overly optimistic, but. You know, let's let's just see what they have to say. You know. <laughs> sure. Well, they well they we should clarify. I mean, they drop it to a day because they they loan the money to the merchant. <laughs> Basically, yes, that's <laughs> right. what I was going to say. So <laughs> they <laughs> no, they don't they know. don't help you get the money for free from your client in a day. They give you the money ahead of time and they charge you interest until your client pays. <laughs> until your client pays, exactly. Right. But you know, this is a big deal for yeah, small oh, firms. Yeah, of course, huge. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, um, Cabbage themselves, they did a survey of 500 successful entrepreneurs, uh, found that most go without paychecks for months due to company cash flow problems. You know, about a quarter go uh, two to six months, uh, another quarter have gone more than six months without a paycheck. 
frankly, I'm not quite sure how you can really survive that way. But uh, anyway, we still all have mortgages. I can speak from personal. Yeah, I can speak from personal experience here and say that it's not fun to live that way. Uh, so yes, yeah, no, I, <laughs> same here. I've been in that same boat. And, yeah, uh, so that's that's definitely not fun. And I think it's I think it's a good point. I mean, I remember um, back, you know, maybe. Uh, maybe uh, six or seven years ago, you know, our business went through a downturn where it was like, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, choose. Are you going to, you know, continue to dump money into the business or are you going to get paid? And it's like, well, if you right. want to survive, you got to keep dumping money into the business until things turn around. And it's, uh, it can be uh, very frustrating. So it can be very, yeah, very uh, angst, angst and um, instigating, right? Yes. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I've been in that place where it's like, oh man, you know, you're up at night thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? You right, know? Right. Um, um, and, you know, and, and it's interesting because Cabbage also said that a survey found that uh, nine out of 10 business owners spend up to 20 hours a week on cash flow management, you know, doing things like invoicing and receiving payments, handling payroll and so forth. Sure. And that's a, that's a lot of time. It you is know? a lot of time. It's funny because you know, even saying that, it's like I remember spending that much time on it. And, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's sad that there's so many businesses that get stuck into that vicious cycle and right. haven't figured a way out of it. I mean, today I would say I probably spend like, I don't even know if it's like less than an hour. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm, eventually but I'm you, like you, I, you know, you know there's been times when, yeah, I just like, you know, have yeah. poured over it. Oh, now absolutely. it's like, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe 10 minutes a day. <laughs> right. Cause you just, you got to get that. You have to get the finances under control and get, get the right people on your team and things like that. For sure. If you're going to, if you're exactly. really going to scale up, you gotta, you gotta have, have the right people. But anyway, all that to say cabbage serves an important, uh, an important role in the economy and, and with businesses in particular to, to help with that need. Yeah, sure. You know? And so anyway, uh, cabbage payments, what you do is you create a unique URL for your business. And you send payment requests via text messaging, emails, or the web. And, you know, the big thing here is that it eliminates the need to manually create accounts, open, you know, new payment orders, you know, duplicate work for recurring invoices and so forth. Which, of course, you can also do with something like uh, QuickBooks. But, you know, it's all tied into this, into this online billing. So Right. Or you could even do it with something like NMI.com as far as in the ISO world. Mm -hmm. You know, right. or, or right. Zusa or Clover or Point or, you know, <laughs> any of them really. Right. But, um... yeah. yeah. But it's, I think it's interesting. It's like they, they've kind of, it seems like they've really kind of gone after the market of like the, a lot of the B2B type companies that are smaller that really, they're not looking for a full, full feature software. They, they just want to collect their money. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, some of the features, you know, they get free online invoicing and invoice management, check payments are processed for free. Credit card uh, processing is at uh, 2.9 plus 25 cents. And, of course, you know, next day funding on transactions processed by 5 o'clock. Right. Um, you know, I, I did some research on this, and I came across something um, from um, Robert Masasi, who's the uh, CEO of Mercator Advisory Group, a consultancy that deals a lot with the acquiring space. And, he, you know, he says there's a clear market opportunity for these types of services. He said that uh, research by him, his firm indicates 65% of small businesses prioritize ease of use when selecting a payment solution. So he says, uh, quote, the ability to receive funds through a simple URL, you know, it matches that digital first way that most people want to um, operate their businesses today. Yeah. Um, Cabbage gave, gave an example in its press release of a, of a guy named uh, Hoover, Ed Brewer, or Lee Brewer, runs a uh, New York-based ad agency, and he was part of the beta testing on cabbage payments. I thought that was interesting. He said, uh, for years, I've waited anywhere from 15 to 30 days to get paid for my work. I thought that was pretty good, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <know>? right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he said, now I send my cabbage custom pay link, and um, get I get paid the next day, and this has helped me collect uh, so quickly that my cash flow concerns were eliminated seemingly overnight. Again, he's still paying for that, but he's getting that cash that he needs, right? Um, so Cabbage's decision to provide payment processing to small businesses, you know, is a competitive assault, I also think, on PayPal and Square, which, right. you know, they originally entered the market as payment processing companies, but now they've migrated into small business lending. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, Cabbage says it's lent more than $4.5 billion to small businesses in the last seven years. Yeah. Uh, according to published reports, Square has about the same amount now on outstanding business loans. PayPal says it has about $10 billion in outstanding loans to about 225,000 small businesses worldwide. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my key takeaway from, from all this is that, you know, it's tough, it's tough to stay in any business as a model line, you know, model line, you know, even for well-financed tech startups. I mean, you know, Cabbage right. has raised close to a billion dollars from investors. Right. Right. You know, but, you know, it's 200,000 plus loan clients that gives it a certainly gives it a good start in the payments processing space. You know, and I think one of the other things, though, Patty, that I, I do want to I would do want to branch off for just a second and talk sure. about, I, because I want to talk about the ISOs and agents that would be listening to this, because it, it's very interesting. You know, I looked at it as well. And I mean, it's it's of of the payfac type competitors that I've seen. This one is actually the least threatening, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. And there's there's two reasons for that. Number one is it, it really doesn't do much. Right. So, so it's not like Cabbage is doing any. In fact, I, I would say that what Cabbage is offering is significantly less robust than most ISOs would be willing to offer for free to their merchants through something like an NMI or an authorized.net. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But the other reason is that this payfac is predicated on the fact that that Cabbage already has all the data that they need from the merchant. They already have their bank account information and their social right. and all that because they are, are loaning them money. Mm -hmm. So the idea here is really more you can basically accept payments almost without even seemingly setting up a merchant account. Right. It is really what it feels like. And so Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right. And so the idea would be you may go to a merchant location that's like, well, we use cabbage payments, but that I'm trying to think of the right the right way to explain it, but it's like that's almost meaningless. You could still just sell them on merchant services. It's not like Cabbage payments is the kind of thing where it's like a real merchant account that they're locked into. It's just something right. where they need a way to get payments faster, and so they started using cabbage payments. Right, and they can use cabbage payments, you know, some for some of these big B two B transactions exactly. that maybe they wouldn't use. But it's it's really more of an ancillary service, I would think. It is, and it's funny because I would actually even say I know recently we had Eric on here from Paytrace, and mm -hmm. I would actually say that ironically the 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 group that they're targeting would actually save massively if they use something like Paytrace because of the B2B nature of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of 2.9% and, you know, 25 cents or whatever, I mean, they could probably be paying 1.5% over however many basis points of markup um, just because right. of these larger transactions, you know. So it's it's definitely one of those things where you're going to run into it. And when you do, don't get worried about that. It's not, you know, I don't want you to think like, oh, it's like they have Square and like I'm going to have a really hard time. You know, hopefully right. now you're competing better with Square as well. But it's like it's nothing like that at all. Square, it's more like, OK, you know, hey, you have cabbage. That's great. But what about for all your other needs? Well, yeah. And it's also almost like you have cabbage. OK, I'm glad that you've started to accept payments. Now let me show you what it means to have a real merchant account. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Know? Exactly. And it's, yeah. it's it's not like that. And you can, it's like you can they can keep cabbage payments like it's fine. You mm -hmm. can still have that if you really want to use it. But you could just use NMI and actually have it all organized better, get much lower rates and run your transactions for, for cheaper or pay trace or whatever. And they're going to be very, very happy with that. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's really important, you know, I think the way they position this is really for entrepreneurs, right? You know, guys that are just really getting into the business. It's 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 kind of like reminds me of sort of the way I used to look at Square when it first came out. It's sort of like a starter kit. Exactly. Yes. There you go. Yep. Right. Yep. I would agree with yeah. you there 100%. So, yeah, really interesting stuff, Patty. I, I think it's something that, they, you know, agents and ISOs really do need to be aware of these, you know, competitors that are coming into the market and understanding kind of how to attack these different ones because they're, they're right. How to different. position your products and services vis-a-vis -vis these. Right. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff, Patty. Thanks, James. This is Questions from the Field brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. 
Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So Patty, uh, you know, we of course just talked about cabbage payments and now on questions from the field, I get so many questions on how do I compete with Stripe? How do I compete with Square? How do I compete with PayPal? How do I compete now cabbage payments, right? Um, all of these, these pay facts. And I really want to talk today about an interesting trend that in my opinion is good news for our industry. Um, you know, the price increase that Square recently did was such a, a good indication to me that there just really have not been any major disruptors in our industry that I feel like are the kind of competitors that you need to be really terrified of. I agree. You know, and what I mean by that is it's like, yes, these companies are providing technology, but you can resell technology just fine. We recently talked to Joey from Boomtown uh, in a different episode, and it's like, you know, it, you can get support, you can get technology, like you can compete head to head. It's not like any, you know, I keep waiting for that pay fact that's going to come out that's going to do something like we absorb all the cost of processing in order to get your marketing business, you know, to mar your, mm -hmm, to your Facebook mm -hmm. marketing or, or whatever. I don't know what this idea is going to be, but I keep waiting for the true, the true disruptor, right? Yes. And, yes. you know, the more I see the moves that these companies are making, it's, it's, it's very predictable. It's, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's no Steve jobs out there <laughs> in the payment space. You know, that's the, you know, here's the crazy ones that's, that is just not happening. It's what's happening is really a couple trends that you have to watch out for. You know, number one, there are these big companies that are marketing merchants. Their, their competitive advantage is really marketing. That's really it. Um, right. And it's the reason I talk so much about it. I mean, the last like three episodes, I think I was just talking about marketing because, mm -hmm. you know, that is the disadvantage in our industry. And I don't know why I have such a hard time getting people to understand that. They don't seem to get it. It's like the only reason that you're losing to Square is that they're better at Facebook ads than you are. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like sometimes I think it's like our guys are, you know, they, they're so focused on sales that they don't understand what, you know, what uh, predates sales, which is marketing. Of course. And, and I think and I think the idea, though, is it's like we are so much better. Our industry is so much better at selling business owners than Square. We are mm -hmm. so much better at selling business owners than, you know, Stripe or Cabbage like we are right. so much better than they are, but there is these the, there are these areas where they have uh, an advantage right now, and that is marketing. They're much better at it than we are. Now, again, right. it's very challenging to target small business owners. I gave some strategies last week about that, but it is challenging to target small business owners. It's very expensive um, with online ads. And, the, and it's a huge universe. You know, We're it talking, is. what, 25 million small businesses in the country. Exactly. And so I right. think I think the key thing here is, you know, I, I feel like those competitors, ironically, they get all of the press, but I mm -hmm. actually don't think it, me as a, you know, if I'm an ISO owner and I've got, you know, 20 reps, you know, or I'm an individual agent, I, I really, to be honest, I'm actually not that scared of Square. I'm not that scared of Stripe. I'm not that scared of Cabbage Payments. I'm not that scared of PayPal because these companies have all, most of them have all gone public. They are now looking out for their quarterly earnings and they basically have given up, in my opinion, trying to dramatically shift the underlying model of how payments work. That's mm -hmm. not what they're doing. If that company comes along, I'll be the first to report it. I'm sure Patty, you and I'll be the first to jump on that on our podcast. But oh yes, they they just I don't I don't know who that is right now. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it either. And I and you know you and I combined, I think we probably have like forty or fifty years of looking at this stuff. Exactly. Right? You know, and it's it's not. I haven't seen it yet. But here's the there's there's like little it's like little kinks in the armor, so to yes. speak. Yes. There's... But nobody's been able to open the door. Exactly. Now. What actually concerns me as a, you know, if I'm an ISO owner, what actually concerns me is not these big pay facts. What concerns me is actually the small ones. 
because mm. what's happening is there's become this kind of democratization of the idea of becoming an ISV, becoming a payfac. And what's happening is where we're seeing a big shift and where it's really tough to get the data because it's so segmented is that there's a lot of companies that are coming out with very specific solutions for mm-hmm. niche verticals. Um, and, right. and, you know, if you took them collectively all together, they are a huge force to be reckoned with, and they're, they are nearly impossible to compete with. Once they mm. get their hooks into a merchant, it is very difficult. I'll give you an example. I was working with an ISO recently, trying to, they were trying to close a larger deal. And this was a uh, carpet, uh, it was like a, um, a store that sold like furniture, carpet, things like that. Uh-huh. Well, they had a point of sale system I had never even heard of. And really? Yeah. And I and I looked it up. So I did a little bit of digging, called them and stuff. Turns out this company's got about two thousand merchants. Mm-hmm. They're all furniture stores. They mm-hmm. have a direct integration with all of the major furniture suppliers in the country. Oh wow. So that when your when your order level gets to a certain point, they can auto order things and then when the furniture store sends you the order, it automatically flows into your system so you don't have to scan everything in. It just it manages oh, wow. the inventory seamlessly. And mm-hmm. it's like those 2000 merchants that they got, those people are never going to cancel until they die. I mean, right. you could not when I when I found out what they're doing, I'm like Nope, I'm sorry, I can't help you get this deal. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you going to tell yeah. them? What are you going to tell? How this are you going to compete against? We'll that? save you fifty bucks a month. Really? They're going to they were spending a thousand dollars on payroll every month to do inventory. Now they're spending zero. So, you know, there's those are the competitors, and I think again, my point to this particular one is not to paint a doom and gloom at all, but the idea here is there are two things I've talked about it so much, but there are two things that you have to do if you want to compete in this market long term. Number one, you have to get good at marketing, creating content, doing marketing, making marketing materials, really putting yourself out there. And number two, you have to get better at segmenting, targeting verticals, working with ISVs, and really making specific solutions and going after those verticals where through the the app you have on point or Clover or through some custom relationship that you made with some small ISV, you're like, okay, we are going to go dominate because the thing you don't understand is, You could get 500 merchants that are, you know, nail salons in the South (laughs) and, and you could give them a solution that is so integral to the way their business operates that Mm -hmm. those 500 accounts are worth more than 2000 regular accounts or 3000, right? Right. Right. Because, and they're never going to leave you, especially if you integrate that. Uh, closely with with their operations. Exactly. You've got to have the service there. Like you've talked about, Patty. It's like Mm -hmm. you've got to have the service there. You've got to have the onboarding to help them out or, again, work with somebody like, you know, Boomtown and others. You know, you have to have that that support and training there. But once you get these businesses set up on these really specific solutions, that is where the big threat is. So it's like don't worry as much about Square. You know, they're they're out to make the biggest buck. You certainly need to keep an eye on them. And I, I think we've talked a lot about that in previous episodes, of course. But mm-hmm. the thing you really want to watch out for here is these big companies, they they wouldn't even be beating you if you did, if you knew anything about marketing. And not even that, if you if you just implemented right. what you already know. You probably already know enough. You just don't do anything about it. If you right. were just, you know, if you had your team produce one ebook a month and promoted it in some way, you'd be fine. It's not, you know, Square and Stripe is not that big of a deal, really. It's just they know how to market better than you. Where you really need to put some time into is really figuring out who do we want to target and can we go after some specific verticals and mm-hmm. leverage our sales team and our marketing to, to really dominate a particular vertical where we know we're going to have those accounts for the long haul. Right, and, and, and provide the you know type, type of solution that's really going to thread them into you. Yep, absolutely. So there you go. Good stuff. Thanks, thoughts. James. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.